Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. And wild crowd, wild crowd this morning. <laughs> but are you ready for some Word today? Yeah. Praise God. I hope you're always ready for some Word. You know, it's... Um, uh, the highlight of what I do is when I get to open God's Word and, and teach you. I'm a, I'm a teacher at heart, and, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes I get a little preach in me, but, uh, but for the most part, I'm a teacher. And, uh, you know, I have been saying this for the last several uh, weeks just because, uh, you know, the Lord said this to me. And uh, so if he said it to me, I believe it's good for you. And uh, that is that many Christians have forsaken teaching for inspiration. And nothing wrong with inspiration. It's inspiring, right? Okay. But we need to be taught. I don't find um, inspirational speakers as one of the uh, one of the five ministry gifts, it's, you know, the, the, like I said, there's nothing wrong with inspirational uh, speaking, but you need to be taught. You need to be taught the Word of God. And, uh, you know, and one thing I've have noticed, I've heard several other people say it, um, but uh, that biblical literacy right now, you know, it, it's easier to get Bible teaching right now than ever before in history, but we're not doing it. We're not getting it. We're not, you know, and, and uh, uh, so just because it's available doesn't mean that people are taking advantage of that. You know, I, I came up in, in uh, uh, ministry at a time when, you know, I did preparation for ministry at a time when when uh, we couldn't get enough teaching of God's Word. We, were, we, were, we all had our Walkman, if anybody knows what a Walkman is. Uh, you know, and you had your, your headphones on listening to, to teaching, and, and uh, you had a, the, the biggest uh, study Bible you could find under one arm and a Strong's Concordance under the other. And uh, you attended uh, church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Bible study on, you know, in between, and, and prayer meeting in between that. And, and uh, we were doing something related to the, uh, you know, to, to getting the Word of God in our lives on a constant basis. We bought the teaching tapes. We heard the sermon on Sunday morning, and then we bought the tapes of that sermon after church, and we listened to those tapes all week long until the next one came out. And uh, so, you know, it, it is, it, it is so, we, folks, we've got to get back to the Word of God. We've got to get back to the teaching of the Word of God, because these are the things that will transform your life. You know, I went to church and nothing changed. So, well, you you know, one one time going to church doesn't do it. 
You know, I mean, compared to, all right, you, you sit in church for, for two hours, and, uh, but how much time did you watch TV? You know, how much time did you watch TikTok? Uh, you know, how much time did you spend on, on social media? Uh, and when, when you consider those things and you answer those questions, you know, it's easy to see why our lives are not being changed and transformed. Um, because God's Word is so vital to us. You know, and I'm almost glad today that there's no scriptures on the screen. Because that, that makes the, my point that you need to bring a Bible to church. And if you brought your Bible to church, it doesn't matter that there's no scriptures on the screen. Praise God, because you got it on yours. Praise God. And uh, so we're going to get in today. We have been talking about why the Apostle Paul said, I wish you all spoke with tongues. Why did he say that? You know, there, there's, a, there's a good reason for it. And, uh, you know, I, I will tell you this, that if you don't see it in the Bible, don't do it. If you don't see it in the Bible, don't do it. But I'm going to show it to you in the Bible, okay? All right, so if you see it in the Bible, see, we got to make a decision. If I see it in, in God's Word, then that's what I'm going to believe, that's what I'm going to do. If I don't see it in God's Word, then I'm going to leave that alone and, uh, you know, trust the Lord that if it's there, He'll, he'll show it to me, He'll help me find it. And, uh, uh, but... I'm going to leave it alone if I can't see it in God's Word. But if I can see it in God's Word, then I have to line myself up with what I see in God's Word. Can anybody, uh, how, how many of you have actually at some point in your life, you have made that decision that if I see it in God's Word, I believe it? Okay, about half of you. The rest of you, today would be a good time to make that decision. Praise God. If I see it in God's Word, that's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to practice. That's what my life is going to be built on, is what I find in God's Word. Praise God. So with that said, put, take your Bible in one hand and lift it up. And say this with me. Say, Father, I thank you for your Word. I thank you that your word is truth. Your word is spirit and life to me. And I mean really life to me. This is what I live by. This is how my life is changed. This is how I am transformed. This is how I know you through your word. This right here. This is the most important thing in my life. And I choose to get this down on the inside of me until it changes every part of my life so that when this is finished, I look just like Jesus. Thank you, Father. Reveal your word to me today. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. You see, as I was growing up in, in, in church, there were a lot of things we did that we really didn't have an understanding of why we did it. We just did it because, well, that's just what we do. And, uh, you know, thank God, one day I was in a Sunday school class, I was about probably somewhere around 20 years old at the time, and I was in a Sunday school class, and the, the Sunday school teacher, we, we were going to have a Bible study that, that evening before, uh, b b before regular church started. I think church started at 7 p.m., I think Bible study was at 6 p.m., 
for uh, you know teens and young adults, and 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 so the the Sunday school teacher was going to be teaching the the Bible study that night, and he told us he said, "Go home this afternoon and read the book of Colossians." Well, Colossians is a short read, and uh, so. That was the assignment to get ready for so you would be able to discuss in the Bible study. And uh, so I went home that day. I didn't write that down. I depended on my iron trap, and my iron trap let me down. Uh, Because that evening, that afternoon, I went home, and I I knew it was a C word. And so... I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. I think he said read 1 Corinthians. Well, if you, if you know 1 Corinthians is not quote, quite so short a read. And so I read all afternoon because, it, you know, it took me that long to read. Uh, if I re- recall correctly, I read both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians because I couldn't remember which one he said. And uh, so I, I'm reading all afternoon. And I went to uh, Bible study that, that evening. And he said, how many of you read Colossians? <laughs> I read all afternoon, but I did not read Colossians. Um, but anyway, uh, that evening really made such an impact on me because everybody had been reading Colossians, except me. And, uh, you know, but the the discussion that began to take place that evening uh, really made an impact because of the revelation that came. I didn't even know what, I didn't know what, that, that this stuff was in the Bible, but yet we're looking at it right there. There it is. I didn't, and, and, and that really changed my life because at that point I made a determination this will never happen again. Next time there's a Bible study, I will have read the correct chapter and the correct verse and the correct book. And, uh, you know, I, I will have prepared myself for the Bible study. And, and, and so that became a part of my life. I began to read the Bible like I had never read it before. And like I said, I had grown up in church. But, you know, in, uh, in, in the church I grew up in, we had a, a, a Sunday school, we call it a Sunday school quarterly, and that's because it came out every quarter. Uh, of the year, you had a new set of lessons and a new Sunday school book, Sunday school quarterly, and you read your lesson in that, and that was always a Saturday evening thing. We didn't do it the rest of the week. We didn't study it all week long. We only did it on Saturday evening, or at least I did. And uh, so we read the lesson, and, and then we had, you know, and I am so thankful for my Sunday school teacher back in those days. Uh, I mean, this, this was a, a, an amazing woman of God that, that taught my Sunday school class, and I will always remember her and am forever grateful for what she taught me. But what I'm really especially grateful for is that one day I got turned on to the Word of God. And it became, and that's my prayer for every one of you. If, if it hadn't happened already, that you get turned on to the Word of God and it becomes literally spirit and life to you. That you cannot live without it. That there is not a day of your life, not an hour of your life, that something concerning God's word is not going through your, through, through your thinking and, and, and uh, uh, you know, is not crossing your mind. If you're not hearing God speak to you from, from the scriptures, uh, then, you know, it, it's my prayer that that become a part of you because when it does, when it does, you will never be the same again. 
And a lot of the struggles that you go through in life, you'll find those struggles. You, you just wake up one day and realize, I'm not struggling with that anymore. Praise God. Because God's Word begins to change you from the inside out. And so, anyway, we're talking about the Apostle Paul said, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. Now, why did he say that? Why is it so valuable for us to speak with tongues? We're going to go to God's Word and find out why he said that. And, uh, you know, last week I really got into, in, in depth into why we need to speak with tongues. What, what happens when you speak with tongues? But I'm going to show you in the Bible that you all should speak with tongues. Now, Pastor Daniel never said, if you don't speak with tongues, you're not going to heaven. I have never said that. And I will never say that because it's not the truth. But I want you to see that tongues is in the Bible and that tongues is valuable for you. And then you're going to have to decide if you want to do this or not. If you want to receive this or not. You see, um, speaking with tongues has tremendous value for your life. But I'm going to have to see in Scripture that people did this in the Bible. And that it's not something that passed away. And it's, you know, it's not something that, well, they did on the day of Pentecost to, to start the church. That's what some have taught. Well, tongues is something that occurred on the day of Pentecost. They acknowledge that. But then they say, well, you know, that was to start the church. And then now we don't need that anymore. And, and, and a lot of times their, their explanation, I've, I've often wondered, well, where did they get that? So I look to see where did they get that. And uh, if I look at what they looked at to, to arrive at that conclusion, am I going to arrive at the same conclusion? And, uh, um, you know, so let's go to God's Word. Let's see what He said. Did, you know, did, are there other places in the Bible where they spoke with tongues? Uh, you know, is, is tongues mentioned in the Old Testament? These are some questions. I won't get to all these questions, but these are questions that you that you ought to, if, if, if you have never received the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking with tongues, these are questions you ought to be asking yourself and you ought to be finding the answers. Praise God. Praise God. And, and they're, they're valid, legitimate questions that you need to ask because you need to see it from God's Word. See, I can, I can say I've got faith in something, but if I didn't see it in God's Word, I really am not in faith. I, I may be going along with it. I may be mentally agreeing to it, but if, if I didn't see what God said about it, then I'm really not in faith about it. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Praise God. By the Word of Christ. Hallelujah. And so, First uh, Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 5, it says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. Now, a lot of people get to that phrase right there, but even more that you prophesied. And they think that means one or the other, but it doesn't mean one or the other. It, it means I wish that you all spoke with tongues. I also even more wish that you prophesied, but that doesn't negate the first part of it. I wish that you all spoke with tongues. Now, it says, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. And then we find the word unless. And when we see unless there, that's, that's saying that there is a case, there is a situation, there is a scenario where speaking with tongues, uh, where prophesying is not greater than speaking with tongues. Now, let's read it again with that understanding. He says, 
For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, here he is talking about tongues in the corporate setting, in the church setting, the, the gathering of believers. This is, this is the setting that he's talking about. And he's saying, in the church setting, prophecy is of more value than tongues unless there is an interpretation. All right? And he says that the whole church may be edified. Praise God. But then I'll say this, that there is a time when you should be speaking with tongues that is not in the church setting. In your private prayer time, in which case you're not concerned about the whole church being edified. Because you're in your private time with the Lord. Interpretation of tongues is not necessary when you're in your private time with the Lord because He understands. He's the one that is the author of it. He's the one that is giving it. By the Holy Spirit, He is giving you the utterance or the, the language to speak. And so when you are in your private time with the Lord, He is saying, you know, if you're in, in a public gathering, then there needs to be an interpretation because when we're in a public gathering, we do things for the benefit of the body, not of the individual. Praise God. Praise God. Now, let's go back and see what he said. He said, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now, um, let, let's go on to Acts chapter 1, and I want you to see something here. And being assembled, verse number 4, being assembled together with them, Jesus is assembled together with the uh, with his, his disciples, and he's getting ready to go back to heaven. He says he's being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Now, he just told them, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, but don't depart from Jerusalem yet is what he's saying. If we read all that together, he's, he's saying, don't leave Jerusalem yet because there's something else that needs to happen before you leave Jerusalem, before you go into all the world and, and to, to fulfill the commandment that I gave you to go everywhere and preach the gospel. He said um, that he was assembled with them. He told them, don't depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. So say this. Say, Father promised. All right. So Father promised something. And he says, this is going to take place. He said, wait on it. Wait for it to happen. Wait for this promise of the Father. Which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water... But you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, uh, Father promised something that was going to be of value to them, something that was going to empower them. In fact, in, in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, we find that Jesus said, uh, well, let's go ahead and read verse uh, 4 through 8. Um, he says, Therefore... Those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip, no, I'm reading the wrong place. 
I'm sorry. I, I'm reading the wrong chapter, uh, just like I was reading the wrong book. And, you know. So I, I've done that more than once now, you can see. Um, let me just tell you what Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that's what I wanted to get to anyway. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, it says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why you shall receive power to be witnesses to where? To all the places I sent you. I told you go into all the world. So you'll receive power to be witnesses in all the world after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Praise God. So something was going to happen. Now, I, I told you the, uh, a couple of weeks ago that I thought, you know, the, the Scripture teaches us that unbelievers cannot receive this promise from the Father because, let me just say this, it's the promise of the Father, but unless you're born again, God is not your Father. He wants to be. He can be. In a moment, if you accept Jesus as your Savior, in a moment, He can be your Father. And then the promise automatically applies to you. But, uh, you know, Jesus said this. He said that, talked about the Holy Spirit, and He said, whom the world cannot receive. He's talking about unbelievers cannot receive this gift, this promise from the Father. But if you are a born-again child of God, if you have received Jesus as your Savior, this is now a promise to you. Praise God. Praise God. And you can automatically get in on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I always said this, that if Jesus promised it, if, Jesus, if the Father promised it, God promised it, if His Word promises it, it's good and I want it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So here, let's go to Acts chapter 8. Not chapter 1, but chapter 8 now. And I want you to look at Acts chapter 8, verse number 4. This is what I started to read a moment ago. It says, Therefore... Those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Now, who is this Philip? Well, there are two Philips in the Bible. There is a Philip that is the apostle Philip. He was one of the 12 that walked with Jesus and, and, and was there uh, throughout Jesus' ministry. And, and, um, but then there's another Philip that in Acts chapter 6, um, they're, they're, uh, the widows were being neglected in the daily distribution as they were taking care of, uh, of the widows and orphans and and some were being neglected. And so the apostles said, I want you to choose seven men. And he gave the criteria for what those seven men were, were to meet. And, uh, and they were to take care of the daily distribution. And then it goes into, it talks about Stephen. And it says that Stephen was uh, full of the Holy Spirit and with power. And he did great signs among the people. And uh, uh the Jews got upset with, with uh, Stephen, and they stoned him to death. And, and Saul of Tarsus, who later became known as the Apostle Paul, he was there, and he was holding the coats of the guys that were stoning Stephen. And it says that he was consenting to Stephen's death. But there was another one of these seven men. They're all named in the sixth chapter of Acts. They're all named, and one of them was Philip. Now, we talk a lot about Stephen, who was the deacon, who was the, 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 the table server, is what he, his job was. And it says that, you know, through, through Stephen, there was great signs and wonders that were done among the people. And, but there was also another one by the name of Philip. And so this was not the apostle Philip, but this was someone else that was named Philip. And we see the very same thing through Philip. Now, here we're in Acts chapter 8. It says, And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip 
hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. All right, so Stephen wasn't the only one who went from serving tables to being an evangelist. Praise God. And, uh, and so he says, they heard and they saw the miracles which Philip did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, uh, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed, and there was great joy in that city. Now, in, I want you to notice that, that Philip went down to a city of Samaria. Now, Samaria, I don't know how many cities made up Samaria, but there were more than one. And, and so he went down to a city of Samaria. Now, anybody remember anything else about Samaria? How about John chapter 4, where Jesus needed to go through Samaria? And at some, this city in Samaria where Jesus went, he met a woman. <clears throat> he met a woman at the well there. And, you know, he, he ministered to this woman at the well, and the entire city came out, uh, all the men of the city at least, came out to hear Jesus teach. And he stayed there for two days and preached, which, by the way, the fact that he stayed there for two days and, 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 and taught them the Word of God, that, that, is, a, a, um, that is a numerical um, type in that there would be two days, or uh, if you know biblical numerology, you know that with the day uh, with the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. So it speaks of the fact that Jesus stayed two days. So that speaks of two thousand years, which tell us tells us the day of evangelism is two thousand years, uh, roughly. You know, I'm not saying right down to the day, but but roughly 2,000 years. That that uh, um, and, and we are in the end of that 2,000 year period uh, of evangelism. Praise God! But now let's let's see here. Philip uh, goes down to this city of Samaria, and uh, whether it's the same city that that uh, Jesus met the woman at the well or not, I don't know, but the region of, of Samaria. And Samaria, um, you know, was a place where Jews didn't normally go. Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And, uh, you know, it, it, the, we, we think that racism is a, uh, is a new thing. It's not. It was going on back in that day, too. The Jews would go around Samaria, even though it took them twice as long to walk around it as to walk through it. But they would not go through Samaria. Jesus went to Samaria. Philip now goes down to Samaria. And that that's, that's tells us that, uh, you know, Jesus said, go to all the world, not accept the places you don't want to go. Yeah. No, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So anyway, Philip went down there, and in uh, verse number 9, it says, But there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city, and he astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great. Now, he was a sorcerer. So he did things that amazed the people, and he, he deceived them. So let me just say this right here. Don't be deceived because just because there are signs and wonders, don't automatically think that that means it's of God. There are lying signs and wonders. There are signs and wonders that are done by sorcerers. And I'm going to tell you, the, the, the woman with the crystal ball and the tarot cards and, you know, all that kind of stuff, the Ouija boards and, 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 and all these things that can tell your future and, and uh, uh, that kind of thing, 
not everything's of God. Not everything is of God. And those things will bring you into bondage. And, well, they told me, you know, stuff they didn't have any way of knowing. Yeah, they did have a way of knowing. They have a demon called a seducing spirit and a, and a, a familiar spirit. And the reason they're called familiar spirits is because they are familiar with you. They know you. They're sitting next to you right now. And we're not upset about that. They can come to church if they want to. We don't care because they can't do anything unless we let them. All right? So, but, they're, but they're sitting here. They, they know you're in church today. They know what I'm preaching today. They, they know every detail of your life because they are with you and around you all the time. And don't, let, let's quit this garbage of being afraid of the devil. He is, you know, and he has his minions everywhere, and I don't care because he's defeated. Amen. I talked about this with, with under, you know, does the devil understand when you speak with tongues? Well, I don't care. So what if he understands me? I'm speaking something he can't do anything about. So even if he understands me, all right, so the same thing is it's okay if they come to church. We don't care. And to all you demons out there, you're welcome. Just go ahead and hear the word of God if you can stand it. And, uh, you know, we're just going to preach the gospel, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. And if people want to get saved this morning, there's nothing you can do about that either. Praise God. If people want to get healed today, there's nothing you can do about that. Bible says, and I read it to you last week, that the mystery of God is made known to them by the church. Praise God. Praise God. So let, let's not be all upset about the devil. And here he says that, that there, there was this sorcerer named Simon, and he heard Philip Preaching, and the scripture says that that Simon also believed because he saw and he heard and he saw what what Philip preached. Simon also believed, and then we find that um, you know he was also amazed by the miracles and the signs. And then in Acts chapter 8, verse number 14, it says this. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, notice what happened when they received the Holy Spirit. And if you're looking for the word tongues in there, it's not there. Um, all right, so, but let's, let's see. We can, we can see that they did speak with tongues, even though it does not directly say they spoke with tongues. And, and um, he says here that um, the apostles came down, Peter and John came down, and they prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, the reason I wanted to go to this scripture and point this out, they had been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, what that means is they had been born again. They have been saved, but Holy Spirit had not fallen upon them. Uh, now, the reason this is important is that, that you understand that you can be saved and not yet receive this gift of the Holy Spirit that we're talking about. Now, do you have the Holy Spirit if you're saved? Yes, because you are not saved without the Holy Spirit. But there is a second work, and this is what I want you to see today, that there is a second work of the Holy Spirit. 
something that is subsequent to your salvation. And if you never receive this subsequent work of the Holy Spirit, yes, you will still go to heaven. But why would you not want to receive it when it's available? Praise God. When it's power for you, when it is good for you, when it is a blessing to your life, when it opens up all kinds of doors uh, to the supernatural for you, why would you not want to receive this? Now, they received it, but they had only, up until this point, they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus, been baptized into Christ, in other words. They have been immersed into Christ, but now Peter and John come down and they pray for them that they would receive the Holy Spirit like they did on the day of Pentecost. Now, let's, let's go to, uh, in Acts chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse number 12, It says, then when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. They were baptized into Christ right here. And then, let's go to verse number 17. It says, and when they laid their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands that the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Now remember this guy Simon, he's a sorcerer. This, you know, he, he did believe. The scripture says he believed. But he had, up until that time, he had been operating in sorcery. And so uh, now he's a believer, and now he sees that through the laying on of the apostles' hands that they received the Holy Spirit. What did he see, or what was it he observed? Now, I I told you that it doesn't say they spoke with tongues. But considering other scriptures where people received the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues, we can draw a realistic conclusion here that they spoke with tongues. Because Simon saw something that he thought was worth giving them money for him to be able to do. And so he offered them money so that on whoever he let, he says, whoever I lay my hands, they can receive the Holy Spirit. Now, there was something spectacular that happened there, or Simon would not have offered them money. So considering that every other place where we find that someone received the Holy Spirit, they spoke with tongues. Now, in... in uh, um, In Acts chapter 9, when Saul of Tarsus met the Lord on the the road to Damascus, and he was blinded, and there was a man named Ananias that came and laid his hands on him that he might receive his sight and receive the Holy Spirit. Now, in that passage, it also does not say that Paul spoke with tongues, but Paul later himself told us, I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. So there was a a beginning point. It's reasonable to assume that that was when he began to speak with tongues. Now, I'm I'm showing you this in the scripture because I want you to know that speaking with tongues is a uh, a Bible thing that happened, okay? And uh, so let, let's go to Acts chapter 19, and let's find another instance where someone received the Holy Spirit, and they spoke with tongues. 
Anybody think I'm way off in left field in saying those uh, that Philip went down to at Samaria that uh, uh, that that they spoke with tongues? Anybody think that's way off in left field? You know, uh, I mean, can you can you see why I say that? All right. Now in Acts chapter 19, verse number one, it says, "And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth." that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So he, he is making an assumption here. They're disciples, and he is making an assumption here that they are saved, they are born again. And he said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed. Now, their answer, notice this. We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So, in other words, they had heard nothing about the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, he, Paul is at Ephesus here. And... Ephesus is about 800 to 1,000 miles, something like that, from Jerusalem. And news travels slowly in those days. So we want to know, were these disciples, the fact that he uses the word disciple does not in and of itself mean they were saved. They, they were born again as we know the new birth. It does not necessarily mean that because John the Baptist had disciples before Jesus went to the cross. While Jesus was in his earthly ministry, he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the one that's, that's promised to come or do we look for somebody else? John's disciples came and so... Uh, we want to know, are these disciples, are they born again? Are they saved? Paul, all it has told us is that uh, Paul asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, remember, they're 800 to 1,000 miles away from Jerusalem where the day of Pentecost occurred. Uh, the, the events of Pentecost in the upper room occurred there. And so they are away. So what, is, what are they a disciple of? They are disciples. Well, I'm going to show you. They are disciples of John the Baptist. Now remember, John the Baptist was beheaded before Jesus went to the cross. So, if they're only disciples of John the Baptist, it is possible they have not even heard of the resurrection. They haven't even heard that Jesus was crucified. It's, it's very likely because it wasn't like, you know, something like if, if Pentecost had occurred in our day, you know, it would be all over the place in about two hours. Maybe even before it happened. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's possible that these disciples had not even heard about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so Paul asked them, he says, then, you know, then what, what is it, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul explains to them, John baptized with a baptism of repentance. Now, what's the baptism of repentance? That the people came to, if we, if we read about John the Baptist, we find that people came to John to be baptized of him in the Jordan River, and they came confessing their sins. And John preached a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And he's talking about repenting of your sins, confessing your sins for the repentance of sins 
for, for remission of sins. But what did Jesus say when he had the, the Last Supper with his disciples? He said, this is my blood which is shed for you for the remission of sins. Jesus' blood was shed for the remission of sins. Our sins today, now that we're on this side of the cross, our sins are not remitted because of the re, re, uh, repentance of sins, because of confessing our sins. Our sins are remitted because of the blood of Jesus. You can confess your sins and your sins are not remitted because it is the blood of Jesus that has given us remission of sins. Praise God. So, were these disciples saved? Well, they had only been exposed to John's preaching. Likely, they had not even heard of the death, burial, and resurrection. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, verse 4, saying that people should believe on him, but notice, notice what John also preached. And John, Paul is reminding them of what John preached. He says, John preached a, bapti a baptism of repentance, and then he said, "Here, remember, John said this to you guys. He said that, that they should believe on him who should come after him. That is Christ Jesus. He said, remember, John was pointing you to the one that would come next. He was pointing you to Jesus. He said that you should believe on him. Now, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So when they heard this, they accepted Jesus as their Savior. So prior to that time, the answer to that question is, no, they were not saved. No, they were not born again. But when they heard, they received Jesus as their Savior. Then, after that, notice the order. After that, Paul laid his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they did what? Spoke with tongues and prophesied. Praise God. Praise God. So, no, they were not born again, but Paul preached Jesus to them. They received Jesus as their Savior. They were born again. Then he laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and the evidence that they received the Holy Spirit was that they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, um, Peter, in Acts chapter 10, Peter goes down to Cornelius' house. And at Cornelius' house, he preached Jesus, told them what they must do to be saved. He preached Jesus. And remember, Cornelius is a Gentile. And Jews don't eat with Gentiles. Jews don't go to the house of Gentiles, uh, you know, in, in the time of Acts, you know, uh, Jews didn't associate with Gentiles. And so because Peter had gone to the house of a Gentile, now he is being called on the carpet by the others, uh, by the other apostles. And so he's having to give an account to them of what happened. And he tells them that God is no respecter of persons, but all of those who in every nation who will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And he said, God proved it by sending the Holy Spirit, and he fell upon them just as he did us 
in the beginning. So once again, we see over and over and over in Scripture that speaking with tongues is a Bible I don't want to use the, the, I'm looking for the right word here. Uh, and, and so far, uh, it, it is a Bible occurrence. Let me say it that way. That's probably about as good as I'm going to get. Bible, it is a Bible occurrence. And every believer, according to what we see in Scripture, should expect this. Now, my job here is not to condemn anyone who has not received this. My job is to stir up a hunger in you so that you, first of all, see that it's possible. Secondly, so you want it. That's, that's what I'm trying to do this morning. If, if you say, uh, okay, I see what you're saying, Pastor, but, uh, you know, I, I, I just don't want that. Let me ease a little bit of fear, because it's, it's probably fear of it that is, would, be the, would be why you're not wanting it, why, why you're not desiring this in your life, is a fear of it. First of all, Holy Spirit is not like an evil spirit. An evil spirit will come and and control you and make you do certain things you don't want to do. Holy Spirit will not force you to do anything you don't want to do. In fact, you can't even receive this if you don't want to. It won't just happen to you just because, you know, Holy Spirit wants you to. No. No, you, you remain in control. If you speak with tongues, it's because you want to speak with tongues. He empowers you, but you will not speak with tongues unless you desire this. Praise God. But in two instances, we find in, in Acts 8, we find that the apostles laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. We also find in Acts 19, Paul laid his hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. That's not the only way to receive the Holy Spirit because in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit initially fell, they did not lay hands on them. They were simply all with, with one accord in one place, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and they all began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 10, when Peter was at Cornelius' house, it says nothing about Peter uh, laying hands on them. He said the Holy Spirit fell upon them just like it did on us. So it's not the only way to receive. Jesus said this. He said, if you ask the Father, everyone who asks receives. Praise God. So if you say, well, I don't want to come forward this morning and, and have hands laid on me, uh, you know, I'll, I'll just do that at home on my own. Well, it, I'll, I'll say if, if you're saying that just because you're wanting to be stubborn and rebellious, I'm not sure you'll receive it home. But, you know, if you're still struggling with the, the aspect of coming forward and you're, you've got a, a genuine struggle with that, then praise God when you go home, ask Father for the Holy Spirit. Praise God. But this morning, if you've never received this gift of the Holy Spirit, you've been born again. Let's take care of that issue first. Because if you have not been born again, you will not receive this. Praise God. So if you have never received Jesus as your Savior, let's take care of that issue first. And then you instantly become eligible to receive the promise of the Father. Praise God. So if you've never received Jesus as your Savior, if you believe that Jesus came to this earth, he went to the cross, died on the cross, paid for your sins, shed his blood for you rose again from the dead, then you can be saved in a moment, in an instant of time. 
Praise God. So I, I want everybody to say this. In fact, if you're, if you're watching online, say it with me right where you are. Say with me. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me, that he paid the penalty for my sins so I don't have to pay it. And then he rose again from the dead so I could have new life. And today I choose Jesus to be my personal Lord and Savior. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Amen.